We are, uh, we are in a new series uh, looking at God's blueprint for your life and what is God's plan for your life. And we're, we're looking into finding the mind of God and the will of God and the situations that, that uh, we, we we're faced with each and every day. And if there's probably one question that's asked of me more than any other question is, what is God's will for my life? What's God's will for this situation? Sometimes we drive ourselves crazy asking ourselves you know, questions related to the will of God. You know, if you're, if you're looking to be married, you know, you ask, what, what is, is there that perfect person that God has for me somewhere out there that I need to discover? What is uh, God's will? If I'm looking at a college, is there that perfect college that I need to discover that I should go? Or where should I live? Or what job should I have? Is there that specific dot that I must be on in order to know God's will, and will I miss God's will if I'm not particularly on this perfect dot and thus my life forever will be ruined to live in God's permissive will but not His perfect will. And thus I, I live this subservient Christian life. And I know many of you, you know, maybe in the back of your minds, you, you're living with a lot of guilt and condemnation because you're really wondering, am I in God's will and did I miss God's will in my life by decisions I've made years ago. And, and I think what happens is I think we spend a lot of wasted time trying to figure out what is God's perfect will for me. And, you know, you may think, well, if I've got these two really good job offers, is there that perfect one that I must choose? And if I don't pick that perfect one, then I'm going to miss God's perfect will for me. And let me just say that Trying to find this perfect will, this perfect dot, is, is a myth in the Scriptures, and the Scriptures do not teach that. And I, and I want to I bring out to you what the Scriptures do teach about the mind of God or the will of God. And, and what we talked about last week is that if, if we're seeking God's face and we're being obedient to Him and, and, we're, and we're, we're praying and we're looking into His Word, that there's not this dot that necessarily God desires you to be on, but it's more of a grassy open field that God allows you to roam in and the choices that you make in the Lord, God is pleased with those choices that you make. So you don't have to look back over your life and say, because I didn't pick this specific thing, did I necessarily pick the wrong thing. And thus you keep looking back over your life thinking, I've got these regrets and this guilt and did I make all these bad choices? I, I want you to know there's forgiveness in the Lord, even with wrong choices that you've made in your past. And you, you willingly maybe rejected God in some areas. And now you're living for the Lord. Let me just say this, there's forgiveness in Christ. And when we come to Him and we offer ourselves to Him and we repent, there's healing and there's forgiveness and there's freedom now in the Lord, even from bad choices. Yeah, I know we, we have to live with maybe some of the consequences of the choices that we've made. But in Christ, there's newness of life. And that in Christ, we are a new creation. And that in Christ, we can find freedom now to serve Him and do what He desires us to do. And so what? here's the thing I want to just recap from last week, just so we're on the same page here. There are things that we do absolutely know that God desires for us. And here are things that we do know about God's will. Specifically, we know, as we talked about this last week, that God does have a sovereign will. 
And, and what does this mean? Well, the bottom line of God's sovereign will is that he ultimately is, con- is in control of everything. And as a believer, we can trust him. Revelation 4.11 says this so perfectly. He says, Worthy are you, Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and by your will they existed and were created. So by God's will we were created. You are not a mistake or a product of happenstance. God knows you. He knows everything about you, the good, the bad, and the ugly. God knows everything about you. And, and I love uh, the psalmist, how he speaks to this in Psalms 139. And I, I want to read just a couple passages in, in, in Psalms 139, how this speaks to God's speaking to us and how God knows us and, and how he knows everything about us. And listen to what the psalmist says. Let me just read. I'll jump around in this, but let me just read a couple of them to you. It says, O Lord, you, you have examined my heart and you know everything about me. Isn't that amazing? Wouldn't you love, when, when you're in a relationship with somebody, what makes that relationship intimate, what makes that relationship special, especially with your spouse, is that hopefully they know you. There's somebody that you can share your secrets with. There's somebody that knows your faults. There's somebody that, that accepts you for who you are, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Amen? Thank God for loving spouses, right? Because they know everything about you. They know all your faults. And, and when we're able to work through our differences, it's amazing how you can have that true, intimate relationship. And the Lord knows our heart, everything about me. You know when I sit down, when I stand up, you know my thoughts, even when I'm far away, you see me when I travel and when I rest at home. You know everything I do. Let me drop down to verse 13 because I love how he even knows us even, even before we came into this world. You, he said, you made all the delicate inner parts of my body. You knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. And there's some of you out there that are very complex, okay? Um, Your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. You watch me as I was being formed in utter seclusion. And as I was woven together in the dark of the womb, you saw me before I was even born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. How precious are your thoughts about me, O God. Isn't that amazing? Knows everything about you. God uses the things of this world to accomplish his work. He uses everything, the good, the bad, and the ugly. He knows you. He knows when you make mistakes. And guess what? He still uses you. Can I have an amen? amen. Isn't that wonderful that, that the moment we make one mistake, God doesn't say, okay, Bart, I'm done with you now. You made a mistake you're, you're a lost cause. No, God knows that we're going to make mistakes. He knows every thought, but yet he still uses us through his sovereign works and through his sovereign plan. Daniel, I love this in Daniel 2, 21 and 22. It says, he, he, he changes times and season. He removes kings. He sets up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. God's in control. He knows what's even going on around the world. God is 
Uh, his control is so amazing that nothing phases him. We can trust him. I, I don't know why things may happen the way they do, but this doesn't change who God is. And sometimes we just have to say, you know what? Life does stink at times. It does. I'm going to be honest with you. Sometimes life does stink. Sometimes it doesn't work out the way that we want it to work out. And sometimes the circumstances may not be what we desire them to be. But guess what? God is still good. Every single one of you need to read the book Hiding Place by Corey Ten Boone. Incredible book. How many of you have ever read that book? Good. Oh, I love you guys. Good. You guys read that. I love this part. I, someone gave me the CDs, the dramatization of it on CD. Whoa, it was so good. I listened to it in my car. It was like, man, they did, folks on the family did, they did a great job. So sometimes I like to listen to books in my car and CD, listen to the Bible in my car and try to redeem all the time that I have when I'm traveling. And so someone gave me this and it was wonderful. My son had to read it for school and then it got Kathleen reading it. We all got talking about it. If you don't know who Corrie ten Boone is, she was during World War II when, when the uh, Nazis uh, over, overcame Amsterdam and, and Holland, and she was hiding Jews within her house. They got caught, ended up going in concentration camps. Most of her family died, but she made it through. And some of you may have even heard her speak. She died in 1983, but traveled talking about how she hid Jews during uh, the Nazi occupation of Holland. And it was just a really interesting book. But here's one thing she talked about in the book that I just loved. During this horrible, horrible time in the history of the world, she was speaking to her sister about all these tragedies that were happening around them. And the one thing that she said, she goes, even through all these tragedies, all these things, God is still good. Amen. How can someone say that during such a tragic time? Well, it, it, the only reason she could say that is because she knew who God was. She knew the goodness of Christ. She experienced it even in the darkest days of World War II. She experienced the goodness of God. She, she, she could take a situation and turn it around and see God's blessings in that day, even in the darkest of times. I'm like, God, get me to that place in my life. You know what? Corey Ten Boom was smack dab in the center of God's will, even when it looked tragic. Here's the reason why. Here's the reason why. Because she trusted God. She looked to Him for all her strength. And even in the darkest, gloomiest days of, 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 of this Holocaust in World War II, she could find the goodness of the Lord. Life does stink at times, but God is still good. He's still sovereign. He's still in control. Uh, Paul uh, examines this very thought and brings it to light in Romans 8.28. He says, And we know that for those who love God, all things, let's all say it together, all things, that was pretty weak. Let's say it again. All things, very good. All things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. Notice the words that Paul uses. Called according to whose purposes? God's purposes. So, so at the end, God works his good even when at times it didn't seem good or what I wanted or the way I wanted it to turn out. The bottom line is, do I trust God 
even though this might be the most trying time in my life. Why do I trust God? Because I know God is sovereign. And I know that He is good. And I know that He's been faithful in the, fa- in the past, and He's going to be faithful in the future. God kept reminding the Israelites, listen, when you walk through this desert area, I want to remind you that I'm the one that led you through the Red Sea. I'm the one that led you out of bondage, out of Egypt. I'm the one that fed you in the desert. When you carry that ark, I want you to remind you that in that ark is manna from heaven. You don't know what it is. Actually, manna is called, what is it? Just bread, whatever it was from heaven that sustained you in the desert, which you could not do yourself. I want to remind you that I was faithful in the desert and I will be faithful when you go into the promised land. And I think sometimes we lose sight of God's faithfulness because we get tunnel vision, because we go through a circumstance that we can't understand. And the first thing we do is we end up giving up on God. And God says, look at your past. Was I not faithful back here? Am I not going to be faithful here? Of course I am. Do you trust me? Do you know that I am good? And we have to know that God is sovereign. Do I trust that sovereignty of God? You see, I I think sometimes the way we miss it is we're looking for God to cause us to be happy in these perfect circumstances. God is not so much concerned about making you happy in all your circumstances. He wants you to find the joy of the Lord in whatever circumstance you may face. Can you imagine getting to that place where you can sit there like Corey ten Boone and still say God is good? When everything has been taken away, when your life is, 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 death is before you every single day and you can still sit there and say, God is good. She got to the point by saying this, and this is, I was crying in the car just going, oh my gosh, that is just, Lord, you're so good. When they were in the concentration camps, they had fleas all over them. And so she said, she said, God is good because of that. The guards are leaving us alone so we can praise God for that. What? And I complained because I got a hangnail or I had a bad hair day or it's too cold outside or it's too hot. Really? We got to be careful here, people. God's concern for you is not ultimately for your happiness. Here's what I want you to see. You you may say, well, pastor, you need to go back to school because you don't have any idea what you're talking about here. Listen, I've There's something greater I want you to see here about God's will. And here's the thing. God does have a will for your personal life. He does. He does. And here is God's ultimate will for you, and that's to be holy, which means to be separate and consecrated unto him. He wants you to know him so intimately that all your strength and all your dependency will come from him and not from circumstances in this world or how things may work out or all the comforts in the world to make us comfy and tidy and and nestled in and, and all happy because everything is wonderful in our lives. Listen, being a Christian is going to be the toughest thing you will ever do and the hardest decisions you will ever make in your life is being a Christian. And you may say, well, pastor, I didn't sign up for that. Well, here's the deal. When you really understand God's holiness and you become separate from this world, that's where you'll find your true happiness. 
and your true joy because now you're pleasing the Lord. And there's nothing that the world can throw at you that can take away that joy that the Lord has given you. That's what I love about the story of Corey Ten Boom. So his ultimate will for you is to be holy, which means be separate and consecrated unto him. And, and the best verse that I can give you to reiterate this idea is, is, and we talked about this last week, is Romans 12, 1 and 2. And this is what Paul says. Listen, Paul says, Therefore I urge you, brothers, in the view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as what? Living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. You're saying, Pastor, aha, there's God's perfect will. You're contradicting yourself. No, I'm not, because let's get into this first and what, what this means. Notice Paul using the word sacrifice. He says to offer your bodies up as sacrifices unto the Lord. This alludes back to the Old Testament. A sacrifice had to be made in order to appease God's holiness. Israel's whole worship system revolved around sacrifice. And here's what's so wonderful about that. It all pointed to Jesus being our once and for all sacrifice. And so now we offer our bodies not as a dead sacrifice, but as a living sacrifice because we are alive from the dead because of our new life in Christ. Living means we will not be put to death. Jesus had already done that for us. Jesus says, even though you may die, you will live on the resurrection and the life. So worship, he says, worship me with your life. This isn't a, just necessarily a Sunday morning thing. It's a whole life thing. Worship uh, does include Sunday morning, and that's important. However, God wants your whole life. Everything I do should glorify him. So it says, offer your bodies as this living sacrifice, not this dead thing that's laid at the altar. Jesus already paid that price for you, but now you're to offer your bodies as living sacrifices. You see, God wants you to understand what his will is for you. His perfect will for you is that you would be holy and to offer yourself up as a living, worshiping thing that offers up everything to the Lord. So what does that mean specifically for you and I every day? Whatever you do, worship the Lord in it. Thank the Lord for your car. God, thank you that I'm able to get to point A to point B. It may not be the best car, but it gets me around. Thank you, Lord, that I don't have to walk today. Praise God. Lord, if I do have to walk today, I'm going to praise you anyways because maybe I need to lose a couple pounds anyway. So praise God. Lord, thank you for my house. I glorify you that I am in a house that keeps the rain off my head. Thank you for the food that's in my refrigerator. Thank you, Lord, for that. Whatever you do, whatever hobbies you may have, thank the Lord that you're able to do it. It gives you a totally different mindset. And when you begin to listen, 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 when you begin to worship God and offer yourself as a living sacrifice to Him, holy and acceptable unto Him, and you thank God for your house, for your vehicles, for being able to do the things that you're able to do, guess what? Those things won't turn into idols. You won't worship those things because many times we worship our house, we worship our cars, we worship our hobbies. Those things become before the Lord. Those things become much more important. Lord, listen, God wants you to have pleasure in those things, but don't allow those things to become idols. 
And when I worship God and thank Him for every day and everything that He's given me, those things don't become idols and God becomes pleased with you and you're in God's will because you're offering yourself up through worship and thanksgiving each and every day for everything that the Lord has given you. So if you're washing dishes or working at a boring job, thank God for it. This will renew your mind, and Paul says, by doing that, you're, you're, you're testing and you can discern the will of God and, and you, you find the, the worth of something by putting it to the test or putting it to practice. And you say, Lord, am I really yours? Am I, do you really have my heart? Well, the way you test that, and t- listen, the way you test the Lord's will is how you worship Him in every circumstance. That should have got an amen somewhere out there because that's really good preaching right there. Listen, we're, we're so worried about what's God's perfect will about, you know, the person I'm marrying, all this, these, these little teeny decisions that I've got to be right on, 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 on the dot and if I don't make it, I'm going to mess up for the rest of my life. God's perfect will for you is to be holy. The way you test His will is by giving your life to Him each and every day. When a difficult circumstance comes your way, You test it by saying, God, am I going to be able to worship you even in this difficult circumstance? That's how you test his will. Does that make sense to anybody out there? That's how you do it. We're so worried about, did I make this right choice? No, God's saying, listen, if you want to know my mind in here, if you want to know my mind in this situation, this circumstance that gets thrown at you, are you willing to worship me through this? Are you going to depend on the things of the world to get you through this? Or are you going to be completely dependent on me? I can remember my son and I were fishing up in the Adirondacks. We went out early in the morning. It was pea soup fog. You couldn't see a thing. I did not have a GPS on my boat. All I had was a compass. So I said, Wesley, the fog will lift. So don't worry about it. So we're in the boat. We knew kind of where to go in the lake to get to this one spot. And so I'm I'm thinking, I go, I think we're here, Wesley, because I've... I, I got my compass, and the only thing that directed me through the fog was my compass. I had to completely rely on the compass because we could, that was a dumb, by the way, no one do that because that was the stupidest thing I ever did in my life. Wesley was like, should we be doing this, Dad? Oh, yeah, it's fine, Wesley. I got my compass here. I think it works, okay? Um, I had to completely rely on that compass because we could not see three feet in front of us, literally. And eventually the fog did lift and I was like, see, Wesley, I told you, everything was going to work out. (laughs) Thank you, Jesus. (laughs) At least that's what he thought. Anyway, so, but I had to completely rely. Sometimes you're going to get to a point in your life where you're not going to be able to see three feet in front of you. You're not going to know where the money is going to come from. You're not going to have any idea how this situation is going to work out. It's going to seem hopeless. You're going to feel like, I, I, I don't know what to do. You're going to turn over here to this person. They're not going to help you. You're going to try to turn to this book. That's not going to help you. You're going to try to turn on the TV and listen to some talk show. That's not helping you. You have no idea. No one's giving the answer. And that's exactly where God wants you. Because what he's going to say to you at that point is, My Bible is your compass. Are you trusting my word over everything else? Do you believe that I'm faithful? Do you believe that I'm going to see you through? Then test me on it. Test yourself and see if I'm faithful so that you know my will. Does that make any sense? 
That's good stuff. That's, that's where you begin to really get real and raw with your relationship with God, where you say, you know what? All I've got is your word, Lord, and I know you're faithful, and I'm, and I'm, and I'm just immersing myself in your word, and I know your word's faithful. I can't see three feet in front of me. I don't know how this is going to turn out, but I know you're faithful. I know you're good, and I'm going to worship you right now and just thank you. Because maybe that's all I have right now is just thank you and worship you for this situation. You'll be able to test God's perfect will because now he has your heart. And that's how you become that living sacrifice under the Lord, worshiping, giving everything to him. So it's not just a Sunday morning thing. It's an everyday thing. So when we give our lives wholly to God, when, when he has my mind and I'm in his word, and when I'm seeking his face, guess what? That's when I will please the Lord and find my true happiness. So yes, he does have a personal will and plan for your spiritual life, and that's to be, or for your personal life, and that's to be holy. But let's look at this next thing. We know God's will also for your spiritual life. He's got a plan and a will for your spiritual life. I love what Paul says here in Ephesians. This should just, just warm your heart when you hear these words about who we are in Christ and what God has lavished upon us and given us everything we need to walk out our spiritual lives. Let's read these verses in Ephesians 1, 3 through 10. Paul speaking here to the church in Ephesus. He says, Praise be to the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Everything we need is found in the Lord. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be what? Holy and blameless in his sight. That's God's will. In love he predestined us and adopted us as his sons through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. To the praise of the glorious grace which he has freely given us in the one he loves, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding and made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times will have reached their fulfillment to bring all things in heaven and earth together under one head, even Jesus Christ. I love these verses because it shows us exactly what God's will is for our spiritual lives. He has lavished us with every spiritual gift you can imagine. And, and this verse should humble us because, because it will cause us to look at life much differently. Not so much, God, what can I get out of this from you? But it's like, it, we begin to look at it this way. Jesus, you've done all this for me. Now I'm going to give my life to you. And that's what I love about verse 3 because it's all done through God's grace. And when we humble ourselves before God and we submit to his ways, that's his will. And he blesses us with so much in Christ Jesus. So let's get off this self-centered idea that it's all about me. No, it's all about God and his glory. 
And so when you understand that God has have a purpose for, for your personal life, that we understand that God has a sovereign will, that we understand that God has a will for your spiritual life, hopefully this sets you free from all those little itty-bitty decisions that I make each and every day that I'm afraid that if I'm going to miss God's will here, that I'm going to walk in condemnation, that I'm going to walk in this guilt. God says, no, if you're walking in me and you're walking in holiness and you're walking in obedience, then have the freedom to make those choices that will honor me because guess what? You will be making the right choices. So really what it boils down to, I think, with God's will is not so much am I in the right dot, did I choose the right car, did I choose the right college, did I choose the, the, the right person to marry, the, the, you know, I've got these two jobs, good jobs, is there a, a perfect job over this other really good job? Am I going to miss it, Lord, if I just don't? you know, seek your face in this thing. Am I going to just completely blow it? Really what it comes down to is making right decisions based on God's word. And this is where I want to finish the message today. How can we make right decisions that are based on the will of God, that are based on the sovereignty of God, that are based on God's personal will for you, and that are based on God's spiritual will for you? Because that's really what it boils down to. And then what we'll do in the next couple of weeks, we are going to dive into, okay, what is God's will for your marriage? What is God's will for your finances? We'll get real specific because these are the things that affect every single one of us. We have to make choices about these every single day. And this is where a lot of people stumble and make mistakes and have a lot of guilt because because of the bad choices that they've made. And God's given us everything we need to make wise choices in Him. So let's look at how we can make right decisions that are based on the will of God. And one of the verses that I just love is Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. How many of you love Proverbs 3, 5, and 6? Love that verse. We've memorized it. We've quoted it. All of us have heard it. Basically what it says is this. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. And all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make your paths straight. When we built this church, I wrote that verse right here. So right underneath my feet is that verse, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Those of you remember when we built the sanctuary, the slab was here. We all came in here, we prayed, and we all had Sharpies. And, um, and we wrote our favorite promises on the Word of God. So this church is literally built upon the Word of God. Isn't that cool? Literally, it's right where you're sitting, there's a scripture. So some of you remember, oh yeah, my scripture was here. I, I remember doing it over there. So literally, this church is built on the word of God. And this is probably one of my favorite passages. Many of you love this verse like me. I know many times I've quoted this verse to myself. We, we, we know that we've built our sanctuary uh, on the very word of God. And um, many times we quote this very verse to ourselves, trying to figure out our lives and, and what does God desire from us. Okay, so we've learned that God's will is not this necessarily this dot that we have to be on. We've understood that God is most concerned with our obedience and holiness. So how does this translate into my decision-making? How do we apply this verse and our decision-making, thus have the mind of God? In order to understand Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, you need to go back to the first chapter in Proverbs and understand Proverbs 1, 7. And this is what Proverbs 1, 7 says. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Here's what I want you to understand. If we're going to understand 
and know the will of God, we have to rightly apply God's word to every situation. Okay? So let's look at this. We understand that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. What knowledge is, is knowledge is found in understanding God's word or instruction. It's correctly understanding what is God's word in this situation. What is God telling me in this situation? Not what I think it is, but what is the Bible saying that it is? So knowledge is found in understanding. Wisdom is then applying God's knowledge correctly. How many have ever prayed for wisdom in a situation and discernment in a situation? Do you realize that you can pray for that in a situation? When you're faced with a decision, James tells us to pray for wisdom. God will lavishly give you wisdom in situations and give you a discerning heart to correctly understand that situation. So knowledge is understanding God's word or instruction. Wisdom is applying God's knowledge correctly. Now here's the danger. We can have knowledge without wisdom. There are many people that know the word of God, great scholars that can translate the Hebrew and the Aramaic and the Greek, and they are so puffed up with themselves, and they can take a little itty-bitty piece of paper, and they can say, oh, Jesus was married from a Sharpie pen, okay? So they can think, ooh, look at what we've discovered. Look at how we can translate these things. But you know what? They apply no wisdom to their understanding. In fact, there are, they are fools in God's eyes. You have all this knowledge and understanding, but you have no wisdom to apply it to that situation. And sometimes in situations, we can have all the knowledge and understanding, we can have all the verses quoted and memorized, but we have absolutely no wisdom on how to apply that knowledge so that we're correctly discerning God's will in that situation. So we need both. We need, we need knowledge and we need wisdom, and it has to be securely fastened with fear. As Proverbs 1 says, Proverbs 1 verse 7 says, because fear begins with reverence and humility before the Lord. Basically, what you're saying is you're bowing before God and you're saying, God, I don't know what to do, and I completely need your help and your wisdom and your knowledge in this situation. It's saying, God, you are God, and I am not. So what we do is when we go back to chapter 3 in that wonderful Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, I want you to notice what we are to do in making right decisions. We have to have knowledge. We have to have wisdom to apply that knowledge correctly. And it has to be securely fastened in the fear of of the Lord. So if you have those three ingredients, listen to me. If you have those three ingredients, if you're truly seeking the knowledge of God's word and interpreting it correctly, and you ask for wisdom on how to properly apply that knowledge, and you base it in your humility and reverence before the Lord, those are the three ingredients you need to make correct decisions, whatever decision you may make. Okay, you're going to say, okay, that's so over my head, Pastor. How do you apply that? specifically. We're going to look at that. First of all, what does Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 say? It says, first of all, what you need is you need to trust. Trust the Lord with all your heart. Now, trusting 
in the original language is closely connected with fearing God. So there's that reverence. Lord, do I really trust you? Am I showing humility in this situation? So we need to ask ourselves, first of all, if I'm going to trust you, Lord, then I need to ask the hard question, is my relationship with you, God, in good standing? Am I just trusting you now because I want you to work out this situation? I really don't think about you during the week, Lord. I really don't read the Bible during the week. I really don't pray during the week. I really don't do anything. But you know what? Here's a situation, Lord, and, and I need people to pray for me because I need this situation to work out. Okay, are we really trusting the Lord? Are we really fearing Him? Not really, because you're really not in a good relationship with the Lord. The first step you need to take is to get into right relationship with God and to humble yourself. You see, we need to ask ourselves, would this decision bring glory to God Will it bring dishonor to God? Am I really trusting God or is it really my will? Is this really my desire that I want this thing to work out? Or is it really something that God, you desire to work out in my heart? I can remember when, man, I just, I was head over heels, head over heels for my wife, Kathleen. I, mean, I just, man, I just knew it was God's will for me to marry her. I know it wasn't her will, but it was my will. I mean, and it was in the flesh. It was whatever. And I can remember, I said, Lord, I just, I, I just, she, I mean, I remember I was, you know, <laughs> I had this, I actually had this list of everything that I wanted in a wife, you know, that, you know, number one, she has to be really good looking. Number two, she has to be really good looking. Number three, she has to be really good. No, I'm just teasing. Um, I think, I said, Lord, I want her to love you. And I just, you know, I, you know, wanted the same interests. And, you know, the big thing is that she loves you and all these same interests. And it was like, I had like five things. And like, she just boom, 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 boom. And I was like, God, this, this has to be you. This, this, this just, you know. And, and I remember the Lord speaking to me one time. and said, Barden, you can't push anything. You just need to wait on me and trust me. That's all you need to do. And it was like the Lord spoke to my heart because you can get so impatient with waiting on God that we miss an opportunity to God to speak to our hearts and do a greater, deeper work in our heart of trusting Him. And sometimes waiting takes time. And I know for some of you, are like, I want this thing done now. And God says, do you trust me? Do you fear me? Are you, are you giving me your life? Then wait on me. And when you wait on me, I will renew your strength. I will put you on wings as eagles. You will run and not grow faint. For those who put their hope in the Lord, I will do these things for you. And, and, and sometimes I think, well, if this situation just occurs right now, that's where I'll find the strength and the peace and everything. And God's saying, no, I've got something so much deeper for you in this situation. You just need to wait on me. So truly be honest with yourself at this point. When I make a decision, when I'm making a decision to even buy something, even buy something, you need to ask yourself, am, am I buying something I don't need with money I don't have to impress people I don't even like? Just, you know, we just do that, don't we? So be, listen, be brutally honest with yourself. Not the lies that we tell ourselves or we tell other people. Ask yourself, why am I making this decision? And sometimes we just need to wait on the Lord. 
and we just need to wait and let him do a deeper work. So that's the trust part. The trust comes with fearing. The second thing that the scriptures tell us is that in all your ways, acknowledge him. And basically what this means is, do I consider everything? Ask yourself, in, in, in our decision-making, are we thinking of others? How would this affect others? Do we think of our spouse or our children? You know, are we really honoring God by this decision that we're making? So let's be careful here. When we're making a decision, we've got to think ahead. How is this affecting others? Lord, am I acknowledging you in every area of this decision? Even it comes down to this, and this may sound silly, but it even comes down to this. Sometimes doing a good thing can have negative consequences. For instance, you may say, well, Pastor, I love serving the Lord. I'm at church and I serve the Lord, serve the Lord, serve. And you may be immersed in a ministry and that's all you do, but meanwhile, you're neglecting your spouse or your kids. So even though you're doing a good thing and you're serving in the kingdom, you're spending so much time immersed in doing this thing that there's neglect that's going on in your family. And this is very typical of pastors. And I've got to guard my heart on this because I can be so immersed in doing church and there's so many things that pop up in my life that can grab my attention and all these so-called emergencies and I need you, I need you, I need you, and, and all these things. And meanwhile, I've got a family, I've got three kids and a wife that all live in my house. And I'm like, am I, and I have to sometimes choose and say what's best for my family at this moment. And there are times that I have to say, you know what? I've got to choose my family at this time. And I know people are going to be mad at me. And I know people are going to go, well, how come you weren't there? I'm going to say, you know what? Somebody will visit you. Somebody will take care of your needs. But it may not be me. Can we agree that that's okay? You're not always going to see me, okay? I'll try to get there. I'll try to do the best I can. But you know what? The expectations that are placed sometimes on a pastor... I wish you could just sit with me. And I'm not looking for sympathy or whatever, but if you could just sit with me for a week or just love that. That's why I tell you, pray for me. Pray for me because I need wisdom. I need so much wisdom and discernment and choosing what's right in every particular situation. And sometimes I've got to back off because I don't want to enable that situation. Sometimes I have to say, you know what? I've got to put my family first in this situation. I know you may not understand, but I have to do this at this point, at this time. Some of you have to make that same decision. You have to say, you know what? At this time, at this point, I've got to make this choice. And I know we're going to, a future message down the road, we're going to talk about, you know, where do I find my worth in Christ? Because many of us, we find our worth in, in how people approve of us because we're, we're approval addicts, we're performance addicts. And we do all these things to try to gain people's approval or try to perform to a certain level that we can never meet. And it's an ugly, ugly pit that can never be filled. And we've got to find our worth in Christ and saying, most of all, God, how am I pleasing you in this situation? I've got to prioritize my life to realize that you have given me a family, that you have given me a wife or a husband, and what am I doing to prioritize my life? Give me knowledge and wisdom to know that I'm serving my family first. God first, my family second, you know, and then somewhere down in there, church and ministry and all those things. That doesn't mean we don't serve in the church, we don't minister. All those things are, are great, but we need knowledge and wisdom and understanding on how to do what's correct so our lives don't become 
unbalanced. Does that make sense? And, and so even doing a good thing, and I know for some of us, for me, I'll just speak to myself, there are some times that I just feel guilty because I couldn't be there. And I've got to come back and say, God, my worth is not found in that thing. My worth is found in you. My worth is found in, God, you've given this, me this great responsibility to be the priest of my home. And I love you guys. Don't get me wrong, I love this church. And we've got four to 500 people in this church, but I cannot minister to every single person. I'm just one person. There is no possible way. But you know what I can do? I can minister four other people, which is my family. And I think sometimes we lose sight because ministry can, you know, the church and doing good things for people and jobs, those are things we can calculate and say, oh, look how good I'm doing. The boss patted me on the back because I worked a couple extra hours. And, and we're, we can be, it can be such a lie because we're validated by those things, right? Because it makes us feel good. And people say, oh, you're doing such a great job in this ministry. You're doing such a great job. And meanwhile, we neglect our family because we're not really validated by that because a boss or somebody else isn't going to pat you on the back and say, oh, that was great. You, uh, I saw that you spent time having a little tea party with your daughter. Way to go. No one's going to see that. No one's going to validate. That's not, a, that's not an email that you can check off your list and say, oh, good, I answered that email, and now that's off my checklist or I did this for this person, or I was, I was complimented for this. See, we've got to reprioritize our lives again and say, God, I need wisdom and understanding in every situation. And, and I'll tell you what, when you obey God in those situations, you're doing the will of God. Don't feel guilty about that. If you need to let things go because you've got to prioritize your life to spend more time with your family, you know what I say to you? Good for you. Do it. Have the freedom to do that because that's what's most important to the Lord is that you're ministering to your family. Ministry and all that is important. Don't get me wrong. But if it, if, if it comes at the sake of your family, it's not God's will. It's not what God desires. I'm preaching the message I'm going to be doing in two weeks. I'm sorry. I get ahead of myself sometimes. I get excited, okay? Sorry about that. So let's, all, let's wrap this up. Let me wrap this up for you. If you look at Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, what I love is the next verse, Proverbs 3, 7. And, and I think this just kind of concludes everything well. The proverb writer says, Be not wise in your own eyes, but fear the Lord and turn away from evil. So if, if, if you're going to acknowledge God in every way, if God has your whole heart, if you're turning from evil, here is the good news. I can ask myself, does this honor God? And I can ask myself, would this choice hurt my relationship with Christ? If I'm doing what's right in God's eyes, if, if I'm making the right choices, then guess what? My decision is not going to be born out of bitterness. It's not going to be born out of discontentment. It's going to be my decisions that I make now are going to be born out of that. I want to honor God and I want to honor my relationship with Jesus Christ. And I want you to notice the thread that weaves itself through our decision making. What God is really concerned about is about his moral will in your life, that you're doing everything that leads to holy living. 
And so as we dig more into this series, we're going to look at God's moral will in every area of our living. You see, the results of honoring God and acknowledging Him and trusting Him with your whole heart is that here's the promise. I love this promise. The promise that the proverb writer gives us is he says, He will make your paths straight. And some of you here today, your life is so discombobulated. You're like, Pastor, I don't know if I'm coming or if I'm going. I feel like, you know, I feel like I've been driving over that Bay Bridge and they got that big bump in the middle of Bay, Bay Bridge. You know that bump they have? Don't slow down for that. I'm following Ruth. She goes 55 right over that bump. I'm following right behind her. Don't, it's not going to hurt your car, okay? Everybody's brakes and then bumper to bumper. I'm just teasing. But maybe your life just feels like it's bump after bump after stop after this after that. And my life just feels so discombobulated. The promise there is that when you honor God, when you seek the knowledge of God's word, you apply wisdom to that, wrapped in the fear of God, the promise is he's going to make your path straight, straight, which means is he's going to allow you to live upright before him. So no matter what happens in your life, you will have a peace because why? You're ultimately honoring God. So no matter what circumstance may come, you're not going to sit there and say, well, this circumstance is real bad. God must be doing this and God must be, God, you know, God must be really mad at me. God must, he may not be mad at you at all. You know what he's allowing you to do? He's allowing you to go through that circumstance or that situation to cause you to grow even more and to test his will by applying his knowledge and wisdom and fear to that situation so that you can trust him no matter what else. Like Corey Ten Boone. Can you imagine if we got to that place in our lives? Where we said, man, I'm going through this health issue. I don't know why I'm going through this health issue. I don't know why I'm going through this job loss. I don't know why, Lord. I don't know why. But instead of looking to the circumstance to give you peace, like, okay, once I get a job, I'll have peace. Or once I get healed, I'll have peace. God's saying, wait a minute. In that circumstance, are you trusting me? Because I want to give you peace right in the midst of that difficult circumstance so that you can find joy so that I can smooth out your paths. The bumps come when we don't trust him. And we begin to rely on the world for understanding. And then we get confused. And then we don't use correct discernment, right? Then our hearts get pulled away from the Lord. And we begin to trust ourselves and not the Lord. And then comes, guess what? Unrest and no peace. And let me just say, as your pastor that loves you very much, some of you here today, you need to be broken. That's all I can tell you. You need to allow the Lord to break your will and stop trying to figure it out on your own and begin to trust the Lord. And it starts with the fear of the Lord, with you humbling yourself before God and saying, God, listen, I don't know how this situation will work. I feel like I'm in a fog right now. The only thing is I got the compass of your word. But you know what? The Lord gives the Lord takes away, but blessed be the name of the Lord. I'm going to trust you through this. And here's a guarantee that comes with that. God makes your path straight. He gives you a peace that you couldn't get from this world. He'll give you a joy and blessings in the Lord. If we were able to interview Pastor Yusef, I guarantee he would tell you that there were so many blessings 
that I felt in Jesus Christ, even in imprisonment, because I felt the prayers of people praying for me. That's where God wants his relationship with you. And there is so, so here's the thing. Here's the thing. You can enjoy life now. Amen? So whatever hobby you may have, whatever you may go, whatever vacation you may take, you can enjoy it. And God says, you know what? Have fun. Enjoy it. We need to learn to have fun sometimes. Some of you, you have no fun. Everything's too serious in your life. You just need to have a little fun, right? And God says, when you're in my will and you're seeking me and you're seeking my face, then whatever situation may come, you can enjoy that to the fullest because you're in right relationship with me. Isn't that wonderful? That's where God desires us to be. So some of you here today, you just need to allow the Lord to break you in some areas. And you just need to depend on him and his word as his compass. And that's, if that's all you have, that's all you need. And that's what the Lord desires you to be this morning. So let me pray for you. Because I don't know what your situations are today. I don't know what you're going through today, but the Lord does know your situations. And as we, as we sing and we worship today, some of you here want to come down front and just say, Lord, I just surrender my life to you and, and I surrender the situation, whatever it may be. Only the Lord knows what it is and you need to surrender those things. I invite you to come down and just surrender the Lord and as we worship him in this closing song, just worship the Lord and make that surrender to him this morning and allow God to work in your heart. So Lord, right now, as we come before you. Lord, I know that life is difficult and it stinks at times, but you are good. And Lord, your will for us here this morning is to trust you with all our hearts and not lean on our own understanding, but in all our ways acknowledge you. And Lord, we know that you make our paths straight. And so Lord, there's some here today that just feel discombobulated. They feel like their lives are in turmoil. Lord, I just pray that they would turn to you and lay this situation at your feet, Lord, that you would break us today, that we would begin to get serious about our walk with you, Lord, that we would realize the riches that are found in your word and the riches that are found in a relationship with your Holy Spirit, that you desire to pour out so many spiritual blessings in our lives, but God, sometimes we don't allow you to do that because we're just trusting ourselves and we're looking for temporary things to fix spiritual things. And every problem in here, Lord, is a spiritual problem. And we need you to fix it. And we need to turn to you. So I pray for wisdom and discernment for every single person in this place as we trust you, Lord. So we worship your name. We thank you, Lord, for loving us today. And we lay our lives at your feet. In Jesus' name. I want you to stand this morning as we sing this song. And let's just worship him in closing today. If you want to come forward and just pray and give your life to the Lord as an act of worship, as a living sacrifice, then do it to the Lord. Do it for the Lord today. Amen. God bless you.
pray for every single person here today, no matter what they're faced with today, they can trust you, Lord. And you would just speak to every heart here today of your glorious riches that are found in Christ. Lord, I pray each and every day we would renew that relationship with you, that you would even catch us off guard. Maybe while we're in the grocery store driving our car or listening to a song or whatever it may be, and then you just grab our hearts and you speak your faithfulness to us and you speak your love to us that God reignites our heart and our passion and our love for you. I pray that you would just surprise us this week with your grace. 
and that we would look all around us to see how faithful you are. So encourage every heart here today, God. Thank you for your peace that you give to us that passes all understanding, that will guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. We have no worry to fret. We, have, we don't need to worry or have any anxiety when we are in Christ Jesus. We thank you, Lord, for that peace that we have in him today. May we go in your presence. May your grace be poured out upon every person here today. Thank you for your word today. And we ask these things in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen, 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 amen. God bless you. Have a wonderful day. Amen. God bless you. Go in God's grace.